Hello and welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols. The duties of a carer can be varied from being around to help out when needed to being there 24 hours a day, every day. What's it like to be needed all the time? Does it give the sense of being tied down or the satisfaction of doing all you can for a loved one? To talk to me today, I have the Coordinator of Stroke and Disability Information, Hunter Incorporated, Judy Webb-Ryle, and a carer whom we'll call Alan. Thank you both for coming in and giving us your time. Thank you. Judy, I'd like to start with you to get some facts and figures about carers. Do you know how many carers there are in the country? There's approximately two and a half million carers in Australia, which equates to one um, household out of five has a carer in it. So it's quite a large proportion. Mm. And what's the ratio, men to women? Probably what most people would expect, 70% are women and 30% are men. However, when we look at our younger group, under 25, it's roughly 50-50. So how many young people would be classed as carers? Well, they tend to put young people in two categories, under 18, and we have uh, 170,000 Australia-wide. And then we have another group from the under 25-year-olds and out of those we have 350,000 and they tend to be the group where we have a 50-50 ratio. And are those young people full-time carers or again is it broken up into part-time and full-time? A lot of our younger carers are part-time carers and they're trying to combine schoolwork or university studies or TAFE studies with the family home like and in some cases they're actually running the family home in a breakdown of the reasons for the need of a carer not all the people with a a disability need full-time caring so what would be a reason for part-time caring okay part-time caring is um, particularly prevalent in say our frail and aged society where mum and dad probably don't understand the automatic teller machine they can't carry their own groceries they're no longer able to drive so they need a part-time carer to take them shopping pay their bills and even maybe a little bit of a dementia setting in so they need their finances looked after and Anything to do with legal requirements these days, it's a minefield. It's very hard to understand. Mm. They find it very confronting, very confusing. So you find that the carers take on that responsibility. Also, someone may have had a partial, uh, had a stroke. They're only mm. partially paralysed and they might just need a, a little bit of a help around the household or they suffer from a chronic illness like arthritis and they have difficulty making their bed vacuuming or carrying groceries again and so they'll need help with that but generally they can toilet and shower themselves and dress themselves so there's only some things they've got to to have the help with. So if if a, a young person was looking after partially handicapped person they could go about their everyday life and just call in and see them or or take them or do whatever. Yeah Um, a lot of our younger people we find live with Mm. Um, them though that they're usually parents or they're in some cases grandparents they're caring for Mm. I know I cared for my grandmother in her elderly years and yeah you do still maintain a life but you find that they become a little bit more isolated the carer in those circumstances because time that would normally be allotted 
for social activities or leisure activities gets placed on hold so that they can take um, mum or grandma or grandpa to the doctor or do what, you know, a lot of 18-year-olds aren't buying groceries and aren't mm. taking people to doctors and things like that. Yeah. What would be the situation for a full-time carer? Full-time carers are people that are living with the person in most cases and the people that they're supporting need help with their daily tasks of toileting, um, showering, preparing meals, in some cases actually eating the meals. They may need to cut the meals up for them. They're doing the housework. They're the, they're the sole provider of that care for the person. If you are a, a full-time carer, once um, the person you are caring for has gone to bed mm -hmm. and they're settled for the night, does that give the carer the chance to have a couple of hours to themselves? You would hope so, and a lot of people, I think, would think so, but I don't know that that happens. Um, in a full-time carer position, you find if they need to be toileted during the night, the carer's called on. Often if they need a drink, the carer is called upon. And if you're caring for someone that has a mental illness or, say, Alzheimer's, they can often wander at night. That can often be their their bad period mm. and so you can find our full-time carers are getting very interrupted sleep and we all know what that does to us mm. so we find our carers are very tired people i guess also included in that would be if they have to roll the person over or change their position that yeah. would all be included yeah and they need yeah. to do that to stop what we call pressure <coughs> sores mm. which is like a sore breaking out on the skin because it lacks getting um, blood supply to it how many of these people would be sole carers out of all the number that you quoted earlier as being sole carers or would there be someone to sort of come in and sit with a particular person for a while you know how many of them actually have helpers if you like mm, I don't have statistics on that often you find the sole carer that's that's the that's answer mm. and we live in a society where the children don't live close to mum and dad anymore they've gotten jobs and they may have moved into state so the family support network that was around like 20 or 30 years ago isn't there now mm. and often this person is just left or in the case of a younger person they could be with their partner away from their family support that mm. they'd normally have where mum might come and help them or dad might come round and help them they're not near their parents so more and more we're depending on the community to pick up the slack that's there with that. Is the community aware of the need of these people? I mean, do they rely on neighbours or, or does the community health services, are they made aware of these people? Well, there are, there, look, there are organisations put in place for carers. Whether or not we think they're adequate mm. um, is another point of view. There's always more need, trying to get respite, trying to get um, more home help, trying to get these services, in most cases is reasonably difficult because the demand far outweighs the supply. The community in general, unless they know of someone that has 
a role as a carer may be quite unaware of what's happening. It's a lot like, I would think, if you go and buy a Holden, you will all of a sudden start to notice how many Holdens are on the road. Mm. So if someone around you is a carer, you actually start to mix with carers and you become aware of what's happening. But if you're not mixing with those people or reading the literature that pertains to them, no, I don't think so. And that's partly why we have Carers Week, to try and make people more aware of the the really important role our carers are playing in our community. I'm talking today with Judy Webrile and Alan. Alan, who do you look after and how long have you been a carer? I'm looking after my wife, Leslie. Uh, it's been for about nine years now. Is this full time? Yes. So, And you have to do everything for her, basically? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much so. Without asking too many personal questions, how did you come to be in this position? Um, Leslie had a stroke due to a cerebral hemorrhage, say nine years ago. She was only 36. That's awfully young, isn't it? Yep, too mm. young, but that mm. happens. So at that stage, did you have to give up your work and take over the role of a carer at that stage? Um, I kept working for about 12 months. Um, I had to change my position at work from mm. shift work to a day work position. Um, and then it was getting more and more difficult with them because children were only quite young. Um, and work then was offering redundancy, so I accepted a redundancy. That sort of came at the right time for you? Yeah, yeah mm. it did. Can you take us through a typical day in, in looking after Leslie? Um, no, we have, fortunately, we get home care comes and helps with um, Leslie showering and dressing of the morning. Then I'll get a breakfast. Uh, if we have to, we get ready to go out. Um, or if she's staying at home, it'll be usually, you know, watch a bit of TV or you know, read a magazine or things, but you've got to get everything prepared for mm-hmm. Um Help with the toileting, preparing lunch. Uh, like Judy said, you know, you've got to cut things up. Sometimes she'll have a sleep in the afternoon. She tends to get very fatigued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then we normal looking after the house, cleaning up, you know, getting the meals. So, if Leslie goes down to have a sleep, do you what do you do in that time? Do you sort of catch up on housework, or do you take that opportunity to catch a television show, or oh, read a book, or put your feet up too? Um, yeah, sometimes all those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get on the computer a bit, or you know, say watch a bit of TV, or yeah, depending on how things have been going that week, might be trying to have a snooze and catch up a bit. Cause, mm. yeah, usually tired. Do you have disturbed sleep? Yeah, um, occasionally she might sleep right through, but yeah, most nights will be yeah, once or twice. Get woken up during the night, and that will entail toileting, drink. Ah, uh, usually just you know, for a drink or. Uh, sometimes she just gets uncomfortable and wants to, to be moved. Mm. Sometimes it might be, you know, wake up and want a Panadol or something, you know. But, mm. yeah. Do you have any help from family members? Um, yeah, Leslie's mum and dad uh, come up most weekends on the Saturdays. Um, they virtually moved into our place when she first uh, had the hemorrhage. They moved in to look after the kids you know, for six months while she was in hospital and I was down there. But that's tapered off a bit now, mainly because they're getting older and the father's got Parkinson's and it's getting harder for a mum to look after him as well. So in actual fact, she could end up being a full-time carer in her own right. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it pretty much is now. So that's that's uh, that must be quite a strain on on all of you, knowing that now there's a a double incidence in in actual fact. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Do you get any help from the health services? Yeah, as I said, we get home care. Um, they also help with some of the the housework. Um, Lizzie gets uh, some respite care during the week from Portstone Disability Services. They come in on Tuesdays and either send someone to the house for a couple of hours or they'll take her out. You know, mm. They go shopping or go to the movies or stuff like that. Mm. And um, similar thing from Hunter Brain Injury Respite Options on Fridays. So there are quite a few organisations who are available to, to give you a hand, if only moral support. Yeah, mm. but took a while to find them. Yeah. yeah. Initially it was pretty hard to find services and what is available. Now, did you get that information from the hospital when she was discharged or did you actually have to go physically looking? Um, a little bit of both. Uh, we were put in touch with home care sort of straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the other services, it's been more a case of good luck and just happened to be talking to the right person at the right time. And that particularly happened when I was looking for respite somewhere for Leslie to be able to go for a week or so to give me Mm. a break that took a long time to find Is it hard to get into respite? Uh, Yeah we're fortunate now that we've we've found this place, she's been going there regularly for quite Mm. a few years now but uh, like I say initially it was really hard to find something So with the respite that she goes to every week, do they organise the holiday for want of a better word or is that a separate session? Uh, separate. They're separate. separate session, yeah. yeah. And is that yeah. organised through the stroke and disability organisation that Judy's involved with, or is that organised through the hospital? No, uh, it's actually through um, a group called Hunter Brain Injury Respite Options. Oh, right. And they have yeah. a, a um, house at Ellamore Vale um, that's set up to take people with disabilities, but they specialise in people with brain injury. And how often can you get her into there? Is it once a year or...? Um, we get four weeks a year mm. and it's up to us how we break it up. Generally been doing it you know, so about a week at a time so mm. there's not such a long time in between. So that way you, at least you can come up for air for just a little while uh, and I guess it breaks Leslie's feeling of dependence upon you to knowing that it's a f- your, now your full-time job. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What would happen if you got sick? Um... We can usually get a bit of extra help in from home care. Uh, I had an operation on my hand early in the year for carpal tunnel and we just got extra help in to come in, for, you know, particularly that mm. first couple of days, preparing meals and uh, a bit extra looking after her. But, yeah, if there was anything major long-term, um, don't really know. I guess it's probably going to have to come back to either the kids or mum and dad. And your children now are sort of grown up? Yeah, son's nearly 20, um, mm. and daughter's in, uh, she's 17 and in year 11 at school. So, so they're, they're quite um, aware of the responsibilities and what's involved with all yeah. of that. Yeah. You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols, and I'm talking to Judy Webrile and Alan about carers. Judy, what makes a good carer? I think a sense of humour is really important. Um, I hope Alan would agree with that. I think not taking life too too 
um, not taking on the little stuff, letting the little stuff go. There's enough mm. big stuff to worry about. So if the garbage doesn't get collected today, well, okay, it'll get collected the next day. But I would say that the most important thing of all would be that you're caring because you want to be a carer. Mm. That was going to be my next question. What sort of impact does being a carer or being cared for have on a relationship? Well, it depends on... We all have very different relationships with different people in our life. It actually changes the role of um, male and female in a partnership because quite often it can have been the male that was the person that was the breadwinner Mm. and the female will have to go out and take that role over. And some men can find that very difficult to cope with. Alternatively, men that come into the role of caring can find that difficult to take over the household responsibilities and that of caring for children if they haven't been used to it. But there's a lot of other relationships out there. The relationship you have with the people at work. If a carer's had to give up work, they lose that social contact that's out there Mm. and the leisure activities that often go with it. Occasionally work people will go out for tea or play a game of squash. Well that can often be lost because there's A, not the finances, or B, the time, Mm. and also the contact. So it it really impacts on relationships that you and I would take for granted that we have in our everyday life, that, Mm. yeah, we'll go and meet someone and have a drink or we'll go and do this. For someone that's caring in a full-time position, they've got to get respite in or they have to take who they're looking after with them and they have to have the transport to be able to do that. So there's lots of things in relationships. You talked about people, or men particularly having to give up a job. How does this affect them financially? What's, what finances are available to help people in these situations? Well, carers are recognised as being some of the most disadvantaged in our community. Mm-hmm. They're some of our poorest people. We have a really big movement at the moment of superannuation, superannuation, save, save, save. Mm. Our carers don't get superannuation. They don't get the opportunity to save for that. Mm. So they're disadvantaged for the time being and they're also disadvantaged in the long term. Um, They can uh, qualify for carers' allowances or, or carers' payments, but, I mean, it doesn't equate to having a full-time job or being a full-time earner. So if they'd probably get medication, most of their medication, um, on the health service, yeah. what happens if they need something like physio or occupational therapy? Where does that fit into the finances? A lot of cases it doesn't. <laughs> um, this is a bone of contention with our service, actually, because particularly with the clients we deal with with stroke, they are needing that kind of service. And you generally get allowed a certain amount of time in rehab. Mm. And after that, you have to move on. And then it's up to you to provide it yourself. And you find that um, it's very expensive. Most people can't afford to access what we call allied health services if they don't have a private health fund. And even if you do have a private health fund and you're a carer or the or the client has a private health fund and you access that, there's still the gap payment 
and they're still the payment of meeting the cost of paying for the health fund. So not only are they, to start with, not earning as much as everybody else, their expenses associated with their disability are way beyond anybody else's. So they just keep getting behind the eight ball all the time. You can access some services free. Um, Rankin Park has a rehab service that you can go to. Unfortunately, the girls, they're overworked, you know, trying to get in. So waiting time, apart from anything else, would be a big disability. Yes, and you normally advantage. Yeah, and you normally find that when people have uh, an accident or have a stroke, the best time for rehab is immediately after that, mm. and that you get in and you get it going. But also, what's important is that you don't just have the rehab now and then forget about it, but that rehab is ongoing and continual. And that's where our health services are falling down, that they're not looking at the long term. They look at the very short term and look, they are, they're great. What we can get on Medicare, to be honest, is, is very good immediately if you have an accident, etc but it's the long-term care that we need to pick up on. Judy, when somebody is involved with an accident or has a stroke or a heart attack or whatever that Mm -hmm. now renders them unable to look after themselves, in Newcastle you've got your organisation, which is Stroke and Disability Incorporated. Mm -hmm. What other organisations are available both here in Newcastle and the Hunter and are they accessible throughout the country? Firstly, I'd say to anyone that is a carer, if you're caring for someone that has a particular illness, like arthritis or Parkinson's, that you actually contact the support group. Because the support group, although initially set up for the person that has the illness, the person suffering Parkinson's Mm. or the Alzheimer's Association, etc., that has Alzheimer's, what you find that the carers get together and congregate at these meetings also. And it's a great downtime for carers. Mm -hmm. And it's a great, like Alan said, that he learnt from someone about where to put Leslie in respite. These are the best people to talk to. These are the people that are doing the hard yard and they're the ones that pick up the little tricks, etc. So looking for those kinds of organisations and if they wanted to ring and I'll give you our number later if they wanted to ring us we have access to all of those numbers and because there's so many I didn't bring them all Um, alternatively Carers New South Wales is another great resource and they have um, publications that come out quarterly in newsletters and they tell you about things that's happening on the carer scene they're a wealth of information and what carers information or knowledge it knowledge is power and what we have to do is make our carers more knowledgeable to empower them so that they can't be fobbed off about things so that they know oh heck I can go and claim that allowance or I can go there and get this and we'll get a better society going for them and a better lifestyle for them. You mentioned New South Wales. Um, does Are these organisations interstate as well? Yeah, Carers New South Wales is actually a federal government 
um, initiative and it's part of the carers network that's all Australia wide. So if somebody not living in New South Wales wanted to make access to this, they simply get in touch with their local health service or...? I'll actually give you a 1800 number that Mm. they can ring and then they can Mm. ring that number and they'll be able to point them in the right direction. Okay, well let's start with um, Carers New South Wales Mm -hmm. and the number for them is... 1800 242 636 and that will give them access to basically to the country if they ring that number they can go from there Um, and locally if they'd like to ring our number Mm -hmm. and we uh, we have two numbers for the local people it's 49439786 and for people that might be in the valley that are listening, we've actually introduced a 1300 number. So it's 1300 788 259. And if they ring and say to us, look, I need to get in contact with the Stroke Recovery Group, we can say, well, what's your area? That's where you go to. This is a contact person. If I need to contact a Parkinson's group, we'll be able to point them to where to go and give them a contact number for Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Before I took on this job, I was never a great group person. I'm rather a shy person, believe it or not. But since I've been in the job and I've actually mixed with our clients and I've seen the benefits of these support groups, I would be their biggest advocate. Mm. They are just, they're enabling for the client and also for the carer. Very briefly, what's the future for carers overall? Oh... I think we're going to find with an ageing population that we're going to be having more carers in Australia. Mm. It's going to be a growing number, which raises concerns of do we have the adequate services needed? I think we need to advocate more for carers. I think carers need to be given more recognition of the valuable contribution they make not only to the person they're caring for, but to our community and our society, they do a valuable job. I worry about the the long-term financial constraints. I would hate to see that we end up with a carer poor, but I I think it's a growing industry. Judy, thanks for coming in and giving us so much information. Alan, thank you for the information that you've given us on a personal basis. I've been talking to Judy Webbrier, who's the coordinator for stroke and disability information hunter and to alan who is a a full-time carer i'm iris nichols and i'm thanking you for listening on behalf of all of us here we wish you well